Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 459. Uh, I'm really excited for today's show. Today we are going to do predictions versus reality. We're going to go through all nine of the new NFL head coaches. I'll share my early impressions of those guys. Uh, There's a big news story involving the Baltimore Ravens. But first, I want to say this. I I was watching the Super Bowl, and we all saw what happened. Dwayne The Rock Johnson walked out and did this introduction. It was very... um, I didn't didn't love it. Like, I love The Rock. God bless him. He's amazing. The moment was kind of like, huh, is this necessary? I would have rather had the guy from boxing do it. Um, but it was cool. It was kind of interesting. He on Instagram really hyped it up like he was doing some big role. And I, I guess he did, but I, I expected something different, like at the halftime show or something. I didn't know what to expect, I guess. But looking back on the Super Bowl, realizing, oh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson introduced the Rams and the Bengals at the Super Bowl. Here's the interesting wrinkle there. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the owner of the XFL. So the owner of the XFL introduced the Super Bowl. I don't know what that means for the XFL. I don't know what that means for stuff behind the scenes, but, um, you know, the former owner, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon? Yeah, Vince McMahon, because I don't, I don't watch WWE. I always get him and Jim McMahon and Vince McMahon mixed up. Jim McMahon won a Super Bowl as the Bears quarterback. Vince McMahon is the owner of the WWE. I don't think you would have ever seen Vince McMahon introducing the Super Bowl, the way Dwayne The Rock Johnson did. So what it shows is kind of a change in approach to the XFL and how the XFL is going to do stuff, I think. Um, I don't know that they're going to be like lockstep, hand-in-hand partners with the NFL, but certainly there's a much stronger feeling of cooperation between the XFL and the NFL whenever the XFL does indeed return with Dwayne The Rock Johnson's version. So little interesting interesting wrinkle. I realized, I'm like, oh my gosh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, it's not just... Super rich, handsome, gigantic, buff actor. He's also the owner of the XFL. And the owner of the XFL introduced the Super Bowl. That made it interesting when I realized that. I'm like, oh my gosh, huh. What does that mean? Keep your eye on that. Think about that for a while. There's more cooperation than I think there ever has been between the XFL and the NFL. All right, we have a sponsor today. Thank you to LinkedIn Jobs. It's a new year, but it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire the qualified people you need especially for small businesses. That's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of not only the most qualified, in front of only the most qualified. Then use simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash opinion. That's linkedin.com slash opinion to post your job for free. Again, that's linkedin.com slash opinion to post your job for free. They changed their ad read a little bit. It's a little bit. I was like, ah, did I get it right? I tried. Did my best. 
Uh, let's jump in. I want to start with predictions versus reality. Actually, before we do that, there is some big news I, I forgot about. Uh, the rumor is that Marquise Hollywood Brown, the Ravens' number one receiver, is going to stop playing football and instead focus a career on streaming video games. Remember, he was the former number, he was a, a first round pick in 2019 for the Bengals. He's the Ravens' best receiver. Apparently, I didn't realize this, but apparently he's been building, you know, a, a career as a gamer. He's been spending a ton of time doing that. And I had no idea, but it is a lot easier career than getting your head bashed in playing football and running routes. And um, there is also money to be made if you have a big audience and maybe any – I don't know how big his audience is. I would assume it's huge if he's planning to leave the NFL to do that. Uh, but even if it's not a huge audience but it's sizable enough and he can make half the money he would make in the NFL doing streaming, I think you could argue that's still a better quality of life. Like you get to do what you love, playing video games, your body isn't getting beat in, you're in better shape, you can probably hang out with your grandkids. So um, it's an interesting proposition here for him. He deleted all of his pictures with the Ravens from social media. He does. There's nothing that indicate he's a. There's nothing to indicate he's a Ravens player at all. Actually, on social media, that's eye opening. So Marquise Hollywood Brown, at 24 years old, he'll be 25 in June. He might be done, which is crazy. Like he might have already retired from football, made a couple million dollars, had a kind of a good start. And then he's going to propel from the NFL off to streaming, which is crazy. And it's interesting how much more opportunity there is outside of football. Now, football can be a platform to build what you're doing. Um, I've thought about this a lot as concussions become more and more prevalent, as people realize the risks and the, um, the, what happens when you play football, like your body getting destroyed. I think we are going to see fewer and fewer people playing football. I think there will always be people that are like, I'll play to make a load of money on Sundays, part of my French. Like, there will always be people that want to play in the NFL. I, I truly believe that because the money proposition is too high. But we are, I think as the years go on, going to see more and more people step away, maybe play a couple of years or maybe just pass on the opportunity altogether. They're going to use their college career to propel them into something else. I don't know, but it's an interesting thought. And if he really is done. It is a massive loss for the Baltimore Ravens, losing their number one receiver who, you know, I was excited to watch Rashad Bateman and Marquise Hollywood Brown develop around Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, and uh, he might be done, which is crazy. Now, for all we know, this could be just contract negotiation too. Like he, he really could be just trying to leverage this into getting more money from the NFL. Although I don't think so. I don't, I think we would have heard that if that was true. And so far, it's a rumor. Like, I, I kind of, my rule of thumb is if Adam Schefter hasn't said it, it's, if Adam Schefter hasn't even acknowledged the news yet, it might not be true. Like, we're, it's, I mean, small level Ravens reporters are saying that. Uh, but the idea is out there. And, and not that Adam Schefter is like, <laughs> he, he certainly gets stuff wrong and he certainly reports stuff and does some stuff that I'm like, really, bro? Like, that's a bit early. Like, I don't know that you need to say that. Like, the way he reported the Aaron Rodgers stuff, things like that. Um, Adam Schefter is definitely wrong a lot. But for me, I'm like, well, if Adam Schefter hasn't even acknowledged it, and Adam Schefter is, like, desperate to get his hands on any news story he possibly can, you would think he would have if he had some intel on it. Um, so, so far, it's only small-level Ravens reporters saying that Hollywood Brown is done. But I want to acknowledge that. It's out there. It's a wild rumor. 
And uh, again, I go back to if he really is done playing football, A, 24, made some money, going off to another career, good for him. He actually wins tremendously. The Ravens are in a pickle, though. They would be, oh my gosh, it would be a really, really bad, uh, a, a bad, bad day for them if Hollywood Brown really does indeed retire from football at 24 years old after, you know, two, three years in the league. That would be crazy. And so keep your eye on that story. What is the future for Marquise Hollywood Brown? Now we can get into predictions versus reality. I got to go back uh, and cut out. I, I, I used the, the S-bomb there. My other show, I cuss freely. Uh, Zach Schaumler talking. It's on Patreon. It's on YouTube. It's coming to iTunes very soon. Um, that show, I let it fly. I'm, I'm, I talk way more like I do in real life. But here, I try to keep the cussing to a minimum. Let's jump in. When I think about the Atlanta Falcons 2021 season, it's not all bad. Uh, I predicted they would go 4-13, and 13, and they did better than I thought they would. It was year one with a new GM, new head coach, Arthur Smith, and they went 7-10. and 10. Remember, Atlanta's in the process of rebuilding, and if it was a year of rebuilding, this was a year of progress for Atlanta. Their second-year corner, A.J. Terrell, played really, really well. I, I thought he was one of the better corners in the NFL, and no one really talked about it. I'm like, why is A.J. Terrell not getting the respect he deserves? Um, rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Had 68 catches for 1,026 yards. Only one touchdown, but he's a stud. I feel good about him. Like, he's really talented and going to be really good for a long, long time. And I want to read a question from the audience. Teddy wrote in on Patreon, as you can do, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Teddy said this. Hey, Zach, I know I'm I'm a biased Falcons fan, but after Brandon Staley's collapse at the end of the year, I fervently believe the best rookie head coach this year was Arthur Smith. This is due to one stat. The Falcons were 7-2 and two in one-score games. I have a feeling that the spectacular collapses of the past are going to be a thing of the past in a couple years. Was Arthur Smith the best rookie head coach? I don't know. That feels a bit... Um, like, how do you even measure that? I, I, I don't know. But certainly, Arthur Smith was very, very encouraging. And that is a great stat, which is that, you know, they're getting better at winning these close, uh, important games. And... It feels like times are changing in Atlanta, which I really like. And my favorite thing that Arthur Smith did this year, by a mile, is that he fully tapped into, into the potential of Cordero Patterson. Cordero Patterson is a guy on his fifth NFL team in nine years. He's 30 years old, 31 in March. He's a guy who was drafted as a receiver by Minnesota. Now, if you look at the Falcons roster right now, he's actually officially listed as a running back. They used him as a running back and as a receiver, and he had the most carries of his career. He had 153 carries for 618 rushing yards and six touchdowns. He also caught 52 passes for 548 yards and five touchdown catches. So he was used in a very versatile way. And Cordero Patterson was easily the best part of the Falcons offense last year. To me, that's not only a credit to him, his hard work, his athleticism, all the stuff he can do, but it's really a credit to Arthur Smith, Atlanta's head coach, for recognizing the untapped potential. you got to give Arthur Smith credit for the vision he had to go, huh, this guy's really capable. I'm going to use him like he's never been used before. And to look at a guy who's 30, 
nearing he's definitely not early in his career and still go, hey, year nine, I can build my offense around this guy. He used his skill set in a way that no one really had before. And it honestly made me very sad because Cordero Patterson wasn't used that way his whole career. I'm like, man, what could have been if a coach had realized this way sooner? And I think part of it is that it's a realization of what he can do. Part of it is the NFL's changing and you're not locked into one position or another, you know, the way you used to be. Now you can be a receiver and a running back hybrid, kind of like Debo Samuel, kind of like Cordero Patterson. Debo Samuel gets talked about all the time as a running back receiver hybrid. Patterson does it a ton. Like it's really like he's the guy in Atlanta that because the Falcons aren't very good, no one's paying attention, but he did the same thing Debo Samuel did this year. And again, it was a positive rebuilding year for Atlanta. You've got a young, improving offensive line. You've got a good kicker, Young Way Koo. He made all of his kicks that were in key moments. I mean, I think the best moment of the year for Atlanta was when they beat the Saints with a last-second field goal week nine. Now, there is one person who doesn't really fit into the Falcons' rebuild, and that would be their quarterback, Matt Ryan. Let me read what Carter wrote in on Patreon. Carter says, is Matt Ryan done? I know he lost Julio Jones, and I didn't watch any of his games, but the numbers would seem to suggest he's on his way out of the NFL very soon. So Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback, is 36 years old, 37 in May. And I said it before the season, it feels like Matt Ryan is wasting time. Like he's wasting years of his career at this point by being in Atlanta. It's kind of sad to compare him to Matthew Stafford because we just saw Matthew Stafford request a trade after 12 years in Detroit. He's like, I don't want to be a part of a rebuild. I want to go somewhere that can win. He left and won a Super Bowl after one year in L.A. Matt Ryan took the opposite approach. He's been in Atlanta for 14 years, and he is what would have happened if Matthew Stafford had stayed in Detroit for the rebuild. I really don't get what Matt Ryan is doing. I don't understand because public opinion of him is going down and down. And maybe he doesn't care. He's like, I'm rich. I'm happy. Whatever. I would worry less about public opinion and more about Matt Ryan doesn't have much time left in his NFL career. Time is the most precious asset you have. I'd love to see Matt Ryan in Pittsburgh or in Denver. Everyone's talking about Aaron Rodgers going to Denver. Well, the Packers have a death grip on Aaron Rodgers. We'll see if that trade can happen. Could Matt Ryan go to Denver? I think they could win there. What about Indy? Indy's really tired of Carson Wentz. Could you trade Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan and maybe Indy could get to a Super Bowl next year? How about Cleveland? All the weapons they have. They just need a quarterback in Cleveland. They need, whether it's Baker or somebody, they need a quarterback to play well for the Browns. And I think Matt Ryan could answer that call very, very well. On a good team, I truly believe Matt Ryan would win a lot of games. Like in Indy with the running game, their defense. It's really sad to see Matt Ryan waste the final years of his career on a rebuilding team. When I, I Look, people are starting to think Matt Ryan... That, Carter thinks Matt Ryan's done! He's like, the numbers are bad. And I, I think Matt Ryan is just a guy who's in the, on the wrong team in a city and in a position that he shouldn't be in. And I hope Atlanta is great next year, for Matt Ryan's sake. But I don't see them becoming Super Bowl contenders next year. So what are you doing? You're 36, almost 37. You got 
a year or two left. I would think Matt Ryan would want a Super Bowl ring before he retires. Is he really just like, I'll just, you know, kind of fall from grace and have a mediocre end of my career in Atlanta? I would not want that if I was Matt Ryan. I'd be hungry to win. Unfortunately, I don't think Matt Ryan is going to ask to be traded. Uh, but that's what I'm hoping for because... Atlanta's rebuilding. Matt Ryan is not their long-term quarterback. He's not going to be their quarterback in uh, definitely six years from now. And I want to see him go somewhere he can win. And I think Atlanta can use the trade to get something for him to help them rebuild, whether it be Carson Wentz could be their new franchise quarterback, or you get a couple draft picks that you leverage into getting a quarterback next year or the year after next. Feel free to comment. I want to hear people's opinion. What did you think of the Falcons season did you feel like, I thought it was encouraging. Did you feel that way? How do you feel about the organization as a whole right now? And do you want to see Matt Ryan leave the Atlanta Falcons? Because I certainly do. And no disrespect against Atlanta. It's just that when you have one to two years left of your career, you cannot waste time on a rebuild. You just, it doesn't make any sense, you know, <laughs> for Matt Ryan to be there. All right, um... I expected it to be an ugly year for the Chicago Bears. I predicted they would go 4-13. and 13. The reality is they actually went 6-11. and 11. It was an ugly year, but they, you know, they won two more games than I thought. And I went into the year begging Chicago to fire their general manager, Ryan Pace. Just, it was almost, I felt like, I was worried it was always a hit base. I'm like, can we, I just, this guy needs to go. He's hurting the franchise. Now, what's really... I went back and watched my prediction video before this episode, and I was shocked to remind myself. I was like, I can't believe that's actually an opinion I had. As far as head coach Matt Nagy, I thought there was a chance that Matt Nagy might pair well with this young rookie quarterback, Justin Fields. It's unthinkable now, but I really at the time, like in August, five months ago or whatever, I was like, you know, maybe Matt Nagy can save his job by doing well with Justin Fields. <laughs> And the reality is that the best moment of the year was when Chicago fired both their GM, Ryan Pace, and their head coach, Matt Nagy. I'm not trying to be mean, no shade. I'm trying to attack them, but neither of them was good for the Bears. And one example of that is I, I felt like Justin Fields' rookie year was mismanaged. By the second quarter of game number two, Justin Fields was already playing because Andy Dalton left the game early injured. Uh, it was a weird situation because I thought Justin Fields played too early. Um, he also played in 12 games last year, which is way more than I expected he would have. Again, he played before he was ready. He played a lot more than I thought he would. And it was also weird because the Bears seemed really hesitant to commit to him. It felt like they didn't want him to be their starting quarterback. Like they knew he wasn't ready. They didn't want to rush him out there, but they were also so scared of the fan base's reaction to them drafting him in the first round and then not making him their starter. And so they just kind of threw Justin Fields to the Wolves is how it felt to me. And as a passer, Justin Fields threw seven touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, his numbers weren't like that good, really, but they also weren't that far off of Josh Allen's passing numbers during his rookie year. And so... Like, I don't know. It's too early to give up on Justin Fields. I think there's clearly a lot of potential there. What I really didn't like was that they didn't have him run the ball very much, in my opinion. As far as, I don't know, 
in 12 games, he ran the ball 72 times, which comes out to an average of six times a game. Now, that's not 12 complete games. He played in 12 games, but did not start or play 12 complete football games. And against the 49ers, I thought he had his best game running the football of the year, where he ran 10 times for 103 yards and one touchdown. And I wanted more games like that. For whatever reason, Matt Nagy just wasn't calling a lot of designed quarterback runs with his quarterback, who the strength of Justin Fields' game is that he's a really, really great athletic runner of the football. So I thought if you have a legendary quarterback, you would call designed runs for your quarterback. Matt Nagy and I did not agree on that. I don't understand that. Um, I felt like they underutilized that part of his game. Look, he's got a great arm. He's a good passer of the football, too. But I, I thought, like, when you got a young quarterback who's still developing and getting used to NFL defenses, lean on his ability to run. Like, that would have been a really good thing for him to do, and they, they just did it. Now, the rest of the team, I, I thought— one bright spot was rookie tackle Larry Borum. Uh, he was a fifth-round pick, and by the end of the year, he was considered the starting right tackle in Chicago. He looked really good in the couple games he played. Now, the low spot for Chicago was wide receiver Allen Robinson. He had the worst year of his career. He was playing on a franchise tag. He looked like he just didn't want to be there. Some of his effort was incredibly low and just like, he's like, oh, look, I'm, I am not getting myself injured for this crappy football team is basically how it looked for him. He caught only 38 passes, 410 yards, and one touchdown catch. He just did not have a, a good year at all, and I don't know that he was really trying to. And I don't have much more to say about the Bears other than to just add that, again, it was a, it was a really, really ugly year. Uh, I am excited to see their new head coach, Matt Eberflus, their new GM, Ryan Poles. Uh, I want to see what they do next year. It is kind of funny that once again they went with a, a Ryan and Matt head coach GM combo, just like, you know, from Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. I don't know. It's just kind of hilarious that that coincidentally worked out that way, another Matt and Ryan combination. Let's hope that this one is way better than the last one. Let me know. How do you feel about the Bears' 2021 season? Is there anything I missed? Any highlights or lowlights you think I should have you know, brought up? Um, like, I didn't talk about Khalil Mack at all. That somehow feels criminal. I don't know what I would say, but Khalil Mack is amazing. Um, and really the number one question is, are you, if you're a Bears fan, are you excited about the future of your young quarterback, Justin Fields? Okay, let me drink some water. Then we'll get into Washington. It's a bit weird because the Washington football team is now called the Washington Commanders, but I'm talking about them last year, and last year they were called Washington. So for this topic, I'm just going to refer to them as Washington, and then after this topic from here on out, we'll start referring to them as the Commanders, which feels weird, but I got to get used to it, and I got to just accept it. So in my opinion, Washington's 2021 season got ruined by injuries. Curtis Samuel, their free agent receiver, got hurt. He only played in five games. Tight end Logan Thomas got hurt. Chase Young, their awesome defensive end, got hurt. And uh, the biggest one was that their starting quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, got hurt in the very first game of the year. He ended up needing season-ending hip surgery. And it was just a disappointing year all around for Washington. I predicted they would go 10-7. and seven. Uh, I thought they would win the division at 10-7. and seven. I really undervalued how good the Dallas Cowboys would be. The reality is that Washington went 7-10. and 10. And it is interesting, though, because 10-7 and 7 would have got them into the playoffs. Their division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, got into the playoffs with nine wins. 
And I was so excited to see Ryan Fitzpatrick play in Washington. I felt like team politics in Tampa with Jameis Winston or with Tua in Miami kept those teams from committing to him as their starting quarterback. But I thought he was capable of being the starting quarterback in Tampa and in Miami. And I thought Washington was this unique, great opportunity for him where I I thought it was all going to come together. He found a team that wanted him, that he could use him as a mercenary for a year or two. He could be their starting quarterback. They were a playoff-ready team. He came in, and bam, game one, he gets hurt. He was one for three passing with 13 yards on the entire season. That's literally all he did. And that's like, oh, man, it's so disappointing. And that leads me to question number one from Patrick. He wrote in on Patreon. He said, remember, that's patreon.com forward slash Jack Schellmer. Patrick said, going into the year, I thought the defense in Washington was going to be a strength but they massively underperformed. So my question is, what happened there? It seemed like especially Chase Young wasn't all that great this year, or am I wrong there? So Washington had the 22nd ranked defense in the NFL. That's definitely not great at all. And their 2022 number two overall pick, sorry, 2022, their 2020, a lot of twos on there, 2020 number two overall pick Chase Young Defensive end, only played in nine games. He tore his ACL. In those nine games, he didn't play great still. He only had one and a half sacks. But I would say that similar to a pitcher in baseball, a defense needs run support. If your offense isn't scoring points, it's really hard for your defense to do well, especially if you're not scoring points and you're you know, turning over the ball or having lots of quick drives and not, you know, they, towards the end of there, you saw Washington was like, we just need to have lots of time of possession. And the only real receiving threat they had for most of the year was Terry McLaurin. Star receiver, I love him. He played well. 77 catches, 1,053 yards, five touchdown catches. Sure. But other than Terry McLaurin, there was no other real contributor from the receiving core. I mean, the second leading receiver for Washington was their running back, J.D. McKissick, who had 397 yards receiving. No other receiver even had 400 yards beside Terry McLaurin all year. Look, for most of the year, Washington had a backup quarterback playing. And that leads me to a question from ENK. He said this. Hey, Zach, during the year, you said you believe Taylor Heineke could be Washington's starting quarterback. Do you still stand by that? I hope I didn't say that. I really have always stood by that Taylor Heineke is a duct tape quarterback, meaning that he's fine, but he's limited as a solution to a long-term problem. He's kind of right on the edge of, a really good backup or a okay to medium level starter. He's certainly not a long-term solution at the quarterback position for Washington. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick was healthy, you know, plus Curtis Samuel, plus Logan Thomas, plus Chase Young, I I am really convinced this football team could have won more than three games. Um, You know, they lost to Philadelphia by four points. And that's a game where Taylor Heineke threw a key interception in the end zone late in the game. They lost to Dallas by seven. Taylor Heineke had two turnovers. Uh, There's a lot of games that make me wonder, what if? They lost to Denver by seven. They lost to Philly by 10. They lost to the Chargers by four points when Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. And unfortunately, Washington just could not overcome all of the injuries they had last year. I mean, it's just too many key players went down and... Really, that's the difference in their year, because if they won three more of those games, 10 and 7 gets them into the playoffs, and 7 and 10 clearly does not. I mean, that's 
it's a three-game swing, and I think the key players got hurt really impacted those three games. And, um, I, you know, let me know. What did you think of Washington's year? Could they have won three more games if everybody stayed healthy? And, um, you know, do you think that Ryan Fitzpatrick would have been the answer if he'd been healthy? Because I certainly do. And I'm really disappointed that we didn't get to see kind of a cool storyline there with Ryan Fitzpatrick finally getting a football team to commit to him, and instead he got hurt. And uh, we don't even know if he's going to come back next year. He hasn't announced he's retiring, but um, I don't know what to make of it. So uh, we'll see what happens with Ryan Fitzpatrick moving forward. And uh, Washington's year just unfortunately got totally brought down by injuries. All right. Um, I predicted the Miami Dolphins would go 11-6 and last year. They did not. Uh, basically, everything went just a little bit worse than I expected. I had them starting, you know, one and four last year, and they did. It's, it was a bad start, but then it got even worse than I thought. They actually started one and seven, but it was kind of a roller coaster of a year because they went, you know, after a one and seven start, they ended up winning seven games in a row and getting back over five hundred to eight and seven. So I had them 11-6 and six and a playoff team. The reality was they went 9-8 and eight and just missed the playoffs. Here's what's so sad. At 10-7, and seven, they would have made it and they would have got the Pittsburgh Steelers' final playoff spot. Instead, they were one game short. Again, just a little bit worse than I expected. I was hoping Tua would take a big step forward. Tua Tungvalu with their young quarterback. And I was worried, though, that the offensive line in Miami would maybe limit his development. Again, it was slightly worse than I thought. Tua was all right, but not amazing. He, you know, had a 67.8% completion percentage. He threw for 2,653 yards, 16 touchdown passes, 10 interceptions. Tua wasn't horrible, but he wasn't earth-shattering either. It was not the big step forward I was hoping for from him. Tua also got hurt. He fractured his ribs. He hurt his um, finger. He missed four games injured last year. They were one and three without him. He also only played in two drives of a 35 to nothing loss to Buffalo before getting hurt. You know, when he left the game, they were down seven to nothing. I'm not saying he would have helped them win, but that would have impacted that one and three record one way or the other. And uh, in my opinion, Miami really has to invest in the offensive line if they want to, uh, to do well. The dude got hit a ton last year. Um, they also ended up firing their head coach, Brian Flores, which is just a whole nother can of worms. Um, but they did hire Mike McDaniel to be their new head coach. Mike McDaniel was the 49ers offensive coordinator. And they're really hoping that he can help Tua take a big step forward next year. Now, one bright spot for their franchise was uh, Miami's rookie receiver, Jalen Waddle, was a massive, massive hit. He was basically their whole offense. Whenever they needed a key play on third down or any big explosive play, he was a target. Jalen Waddell had 104 catches for 1,015 yards and 16 touchdowns. Sorry, 16. Six, not 16, but six touchdown catches. Um, And really, Miami nailed all three of their first three draft picks in 2021. They also drafted defensive end Jalen Phillips, number 18 overall. He had the second most sacks on the entire team with eight and a half. And then uh, in the second round, they drafted safety Javon Holland, who was also a home run pick. He's now a starter. So it was kind of a weird year for Miami all around. They had a terrible start. Then they won seven games in a row. They ended up just one game shy of a playoff berth. And apparently Tua knew all year that his team was trying to replace him and trade for 
Deshaun Watson. And I know that that would really, really screw with my head. It would be hard to perform knowing that I, you know, my job is and my days are numbered. So in my opinion, the key to Miami's future is the quarterback position. They need to build their offensive line and support their young quarterback, Tua. And I'm really interested to see how next year goes because I'm very much hopeful that Mike McDaniel is the answer in Miami. I like him. I like his energy. I think he's going to pair well with Tua. So let me know. What did you think of the Dolphins season last year in 2021? And how do you feel about Mike McDaniel now as a head coach in Miami? All right. Final topic of the day. It's been such a weird episode, man. I've had my power cut out multiple times. I think I solved the problem. I, uh, my camera just like, my camera just turned off like four times and it's plugged into a power outlet. So I just moved the power outlet to another part of the room and maybe that outlet's faulty. I I really don't know. I don't know why it took me that long to solve that problem, but, um, it definitely threw me off. I've been like, this is not the first time I've recorded an episode. You guys know where power's gone in and out and it's, it's hard to not get jolted when you're like, well, all the lights are off again. I don't know why. And you got to like, I don't know. I, I hope my neighbors aren't outside like screwing with my circuit breaker. That would be horrible. Um, let's, let's shift to the final topic of the day. There are nine new NFL head coaches. I want to go through each one and share my early impressions for how I feel about them. Uh, number one, the Minnesota Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell to be their next head coach. He was the Rams offensive coordinator this past year. He won a Super Bowl with the Rams. I really like this hire because the Vikings should be scoring a ton of points. They've got a great receiving core. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, a star running back, Dalvin Cook, Kirk Cousins at quarterback. There's a lot of offensive talent in Miami. I think that's the stronger side of the football. And Mike Zimmer, their former head coach, was an old school defensive guy. And I felt like Mike Zimmer's philosophies as a coach really held back the Vikings offense. And so I'm really hoping Kevin O'Connell can get the most out of Kirk Cousins. I still don't think Kirk Cousins has reached his potential yet. And so I'm very, very excited for Kevin O'Connell. And I I really want to see him build a high-powered offense in Minnesota. Number two, Sean Payton abruptly stepped down as a Saints head coach, kind of leaving them with their hands in their pockets, realizing, oh my gosh, now we don't have a head coach for next year. So they elevated their defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen, to head coach. Now, I love Dennis Allen, and I feel kind of bad for him because I wish that he'd been promoted to a head coach in a better situation because I think with a good team, he actually could win. If he had a quarterback, he had a good offense, he had a good coordinator on offense and could build a good defense, I really believe Dennis Allen with a good football team could win a lot of games. He's motivating. People like him. The players love him. He's built a good defense in New Orleans. Um, He was once the head coach once. He was once the head coach in Oakland with the Raiders a long time ago. He didn't do very well there, but I think he's a different guy now than he was back then. And I just think that I, I go back to, I think with a good team, Dennis Allen, I believe could win. Unfortunately, the Saints are a rebuilding mess. No quarterback, Salary cap problems. I believe in Dennis Allen. I just wish he had a different opportunity to be a head coach again. Number three, the Miami Dolphins have hired Mike McDaniel to be their new head coach. He was a 49ers offensive coordinator last year. He's being brought in to work with Tua, their young quarterback, and develop him. That is the sole purpose for him being there. They want a guy to develop Tua. And 
I'm hyped because I love this guy. The more I learn about him, the more I read about him and watch him in interviews, the more I just go, man, Mike McDaniel seems like a fun dude to play for who loves the game. And I'm kind of jealous because he seems like the kind of guy that I would want to play for. Like really, really a lot of energy and a lot of personality. And I'm I'm very excited for Tua because I think Tua is going to have a lot of fun working with him. And by the way, Mike McDaniel's committed to Tua. He has a plan and believes he can build around Tua. And I mean, as a I, I'm a very biased Tua fan. I love Tua Tungavaloa. Love his family. Love his approach. Love him as a person. I'm rooting for him. Uh, and I think this is exactly what Tua needs in order for him to be successful in the NFL. And frankly, I'm hoping that. You know, the way that Mike McDaniel and Tua connect can be similar to the way that Sean Payton and Drew Brees once connected in 2006 with the New Orleans Saints. Also on top of Mike McDaniel coming from San Francisco, he's also bringing with him Wes Welker to be his receivers coach for the Dolphins. Uh, he was the 49ers receiving coach last year. I think it's going to be awesome. Wes Welker is a legend. He was a great receiver in the NFL for the Patriots, Broncos. He also actually played for the Miami Dolphins and... I think that Wes Welker is going to be a really, really good mentor for a guy like Jalen Waddle, who's a young receiver who I feel very excited for. So to have Wes Welker working with Jalen Waddle just gets me going like, oh my goodness, that's going to be a really, really good match in Miami. The Chicago Bears hired Matt Eberflus to be their new head coach. And I really like Matt Eberflus. He seems like a guy that players love. He's a good coach. Um, you know, a, a leader of men last year as a defensive coordinator in Indianapolis. My main concern when the Bears hired Matt Eberflus was, okay, that's great, but he's a defensive coach. Who's going to work with their young quarterback, Justin Fields? And that will be Luke Getze, the new offensive coordinator. He's been the Packers quarterback coach since 2019. He's coming to Chicago to be the offensive coordinator he played quarterback in Pittsburgh, by the way, uh, University of Pittsburgh, you know, H2P. And he had a brief stint as an NFL quarterback. On top of bringing in Luke Getzey, the Bears' new quarterback coach is Andrew Janico. Andrew Janico was also once a backup at Pittsburgh. They connected. Andrew Janico and Luke Getzey connected at Pittsburgh a long time ago. Um, they have ties from college. And last year, Andrew Janico was the... Minnesota Vikings quarterback coach. So he's coming from Minnesota to Chicago to be a quarterback coach. And I don't know, man. I, again, Matt Eberflus, I love him. Seems like a good leader, a, a kind of guy who can rally his players. People love him. But the reality is that the key to winning in Chicago is that Luke Getze and Andrew Janico need to develop the young quarterback, Justin Fields. And if Matt Eberflus is going to work in Chicago, they have to do a really good job. Although I'm hopeful because I think – They've got a good plan to work with the quarterback, and they've got a lot of talented defensive players that Matt Eberflus can develop. I mean, Khalil Mack and Matt Eberflus gets me really excited. So I actually feel pretty good about Chicago. I wish they'd hired an offensive coach, but I think their plan for their quarterback is actually pretty good, and uh, I'm excited and hopeful they can develop their young quarterback, Justin Fields. The Raiders hired Josh McDaniels to be their New head coach. He spent a grand total of 13 years in New England alongside Bill Belichick. He had a three-year run and a 10-year run as the offensive coordinator in New England. I'm really excited because I think that Josh McDaniel's system really fits well with the quarterback in Vegas, Derek Carr. Here's my concern, though. Josh McDaniels cannot copy Bill Belichick. He has to find his own unique style. 
Bill Belichick has his style where he's tough, he can be cold. Some people say he's no fun at all to play for. I think Bill Belichick would be great because he is very demanding, but he'll coach you hard and get the most out of you. Um, but a lot of the other coaches from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, guys like Matt Patricia, uh, Bill O'Brien, have failed because they tried to copy Bill's approach. And I think Bill's approach only works for Bill Belichick. You can't steal what he does and copy it. You can't replicate it. So Josh McDaniels needs to have his own style if it's going to work in Vegas and uh, keep your eye on that. But there is potential, though, because I, I am very, very much hoping that Josh McDaniel can be great for the quarterback in Vegas, Derek Carr. How about Denver? The Denver Broncos hiled, hiled, <laughs> give me one second, I had to drink water. The Denver Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett to be their next head coach. I love this guy. Uh, there's a great video going around of him coaching and breaking down a play-action pass look, and his energy is awesome. The dude clearly loves football. He's passionate about the quarterback position, and he was the Packers' offensive coordinator last year, and Denver's doing everything they can to trade for Aaron Rodgers, the Packers' quarterback. But even if they don't get Aaron, Nathaniel Hackett will help Denver address the number one problem they've had for a couple of years now, which is the quarterback position. I think he's a great hire. I like him. Denver has got a lot of good pieces on their football team. Great receivers, good players everywhere. They just need to figure out the quarterback position, and I really believe Nathaniel Hackett is the guy to do that, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or not. I believe him as a coach who can develop a quarterback, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm really interested and excited for the future in Denver. The Jaguars hired Doug Peterson to be their next head coach. I think this is a sneaky good hire. It's a guy who I think a lot of people didn't have Doug Peterson on their radar. Uh, he was last seen as Eagles head coach. He got fired in 2020. But remember, he won a Super Bowl in 2017. Like, he's not a terrible coach. And, um, I, you know, he won his division twice, got fired after one bad year in Philadelphia. I like Doug. I would not want to be a coach in Philadelphia. I think the ownership there wants a lot of control over the coach. And I'm, I wouldn't like it. Doug Peterson played quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's an offensive coach. I think he's a great coach, maybe a perfect coach, to develop the young quarterback in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence. And uh, he's definitely, the one thing, whether you agree or not, everyone can agree, Doug Peterson is definitely, definitely a massive, massive upgrade from Urban Meyer last year in Jacksonville. The Houston Texans have hired Lovey Smith to be their next head coach. Um, this one's kind of a head-scratcher because it made firing David Culley make even less sense. Like, I still don't know why they fired David Culley last year after one year when I thought he actually overachieved and did better than I thought he would. Lovey Smith is not a terrible coach. Uh, he once took the Chicago Bears to a Super Bowl. So, I, I don't know. Like, he also had a really, really legendary great defense back then. And the Texans do not have a great football team. And Levy Smith was also a head coach in Tampa. That didn't work. He got fired after two years. Um, he coached in college at Illinois. Five years, never once had a winning record. Like, I don't know that he's the guy who's going to turn around and save the Texans organization. Um, I, and I really think what happened was they fired David Culley hoping to get a top coach. And when they couldn't, they kind of panicked and were like, well, what can we do? 
well, hey, Lovey Smith was our defensive coordinator last year. He's been a head coach before. Let's just promote Lovey Smith. I think that's literally what happened. They're like, well, we're not getting any of the, the names we want. I guess let's go and settle for Lovey Smith. And uh, it's not like they went out and found the guy. They didn't recruit him. They didn't bring him. It's just, they just kind of settled. And it feels like Lovey Smith was a backup plan, which makes me feel bad for Lovey Smith because I don't think he was heavily wanted, and I don't think he's being set up to win. So I just I look at Houston and kind of cringe and go, oh, that's not a great situation, and I don't feel good for him in Houston. Finally, the Giants hired Brian Dable to be their next head coach. I absolutely love this hire. He was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo. He developed Josh Allen from a rookie into the elite quarterback he is today. And similar to Denver, the Giants need help with the quarterback position. Brian Dable perfectly helps them address the quarterback position. I'm excited for that. I'm hopeful. I'm excited. Uh, All the guys in Buffalo loved Brian Dable, and I think the Giants got it right this time. I feel pretty good about almost every hire. I've got concerns about Josh McDaniel, Matt Eberflus. Uh, I feel bad for Levy Smith. I feel bad for Dennis Allen. Most of the coaches that were hired reflect the direction the NFL is headed, which is the quarterback position is more important than ever in football. And almost every coach that was hired was directly hired to address the quarterback position. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I think that's a good school of thought. Uh, I think Kevin O'Connell's got a lot of potential in Minnesota with good players there. Uh, and Kevin O'Connor really excites me. Mike McDaniel, I just hope, I hope, hope, hope he can get the best out of Tua. Um, let me know, which coaching hire are you most excited for? And do not just say your favorite team because you're a fan. I mean, you can if you want to. I'll take it. But uh, let me know, who do you think is going to be the best out of these nine guys? I, I'll make a video like that probably eventually down the road. These are just kind of early impressions as I gather some thoughts and get to know them. But um, those are the nine new head coaches in the NFL going into next year. All right, guys, uh, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Have a great day. And uh, bam, we are done.